running into first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Torn to five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds at the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tigertown. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? I saw Speedy B tweeting the other day. He's into the Argos playbook. How about oh. that? Yeah, he's been dabbling into uh, the Dinwiddie files, I guess, already at this <laughs> point in the offseason. Welcome to the breakdown, everyone. Marshall Ferguson at TSN underscore Marsh. That, of course, is the voice of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor on CJOB. And this, as I say, is the breakdown on Canadian football perspective. And as always, CFP is brought to you by Fox 40. Get them to uh, help you out with your coaching boards. Choose from a range of clipboards, carry boards to help with your sideline needs. Everybody, I don't know, everybody on the sideline needs a clipboard, right? As a backup quarterback, this is the best part. Holding the clipboard, holding the old Fox 40. You can visit fox40shop.com, shop coaching boards and more. Take 15% off of your entire order with the code CFP15. Get your entire sideline. Just a, a variety of, of coaching boards and clipboards to hold. It'll make everybody look smarter and more important than they are, and it'll help support the podcast. I'm, I'm going to get some to do my charting this coming season. I'm yeah. very excited about that. Yeah. Uh, just as I listened to that intro, uh, I, I was going to say, do people know how much pointing we do as broadcasters when we're calling games? I don't know if you do the same, but listening to like that that Kyron Moore one, I it was down to my left where it happens, and I can't believe the ball went through Marcus Sale's hands, and I point here, and I point down to my game board, and I point at the score <laughs> clock just as it's as I'm saying it with 20 seconds to go. I do a lot of pointing. I'm surprised I haven't taken out Mullinger's eyeball since uh, in two seasons in the booth. I think that's a you thing. Uh, oh, you don't do that? No. So here's my thing yeah. that I, I've picked up on because there's been moments where I've been calling games where I want to create a video, like let's say. Uh, you know, I'm in Calgary and the Ticats were playing back when I was doing Ticats radio and I would set up my phone or sometimes I would even do like an Instagram story or something if I was trying to, you know, do the socials thing uh, and I would press record and then step back and I would watch it back after the game to like see what I actually look like when I was focused. The thing is, you don't want it to influence how you're calling the game, obviously. So you just like record, don't think about it, go do your job. And I watch it back. Yeah. I am always in a power stance. That's my thing. And like, really? so, so I hold my 12 by 18 board that I use for my prep. And I, I am like continuously rocking back and forth. And I always have my feet like twice as wide as my hips. Like I'm just like squatted down, which in some booths, when you're next to Dwayne Ford, you can't take up too much width because his shoulders are as wide as my entire body types three. Uh, but the idea of watching myself back and realizing, oh, I'm just like, vibing in the booth with my hands locked to my board and constantly doing this up and down up and down i'm like i guess that's my happy place because naturally that's where i go that's so fun yeah no i am totally the op i'm just kind of stage turned to to my partner and bringing them into conversation and we kind of tap each other and we point at stuff and i'm trying to figure out a signal for the flag when we know there's a flag on the field during the play and we haven't both seen it. There's, oh. I, I got a lot of, I got a lot of motion, relaxed motion, except when plays like those ones happen. Uh, I'm very rigid. I would say in the booth, yeah. I'm just like locked up, like I'm still trying to play. But um, I just have to bring this up because we're taping this Thursday afternoon and uh, Wednesday night. I saw you tweeting about the Raptors game. I tuned in for the last five minutes, and uh, I, I ended up getting the NBA TV feed, and. Hmm. Uh, it was just in terms of like the dynamics in the booth where you're trying to get things right. I just had to mention this on like broadcast dynamics. Brendan Haywood was doing the color commentary. And at the end of the game, for anybody that was watching, where Precious Achua pokes the ball out from Embiid, goes back towards midcourt, there's two or three seconds left, and Doc Rivers comes running down the sideline and calls the timeout. By the way, if you're referencing section four as the reason the Raptors lost the game. That's not a championship mentality. So don't do that. Uh, but the idea of he calls the timeout runs all the way down the sideline. They go through like a 30 second timeout play by play guys. Like, well, there'll be 0.9 on the shot clock and 2.9 left on the game clock. And the ball will be at half court and that, 
And then Brendan Haywood comes in and for 30 seconds, oh, it was so cringeworthy. You, I guarantee you've been in a situation like this. Okay. Brendan Haywood starts going, do you think Gary Trent Jr.'s got another bucket in him? One problem, uh, Gary Trent Jr. Um, plays for the Raptors and Philadelphia had possession because they had just gone back to midcourt and Doc Rivers had called timeout. And as a play-by-play guy, I've worked with people in the past, not going to mention who, uh, very randomly on one-off games or occasions or all-star events, whatever, where it's like, oh, we don't have chemistry. And it's obvious you haven't mm. really, really done your work to, to actually try to present this properly. Brennan Haywood goes on this like 30-second thing about Gary Trent. He's been so good. He's been knocking down the tough ones all day. Could he make another? And the play-by-play guy didn't jump in to save him. He just let him talk. And then there was like 10 seconds of dead air mm. with three seconds left in the ball game. I'm like, this is the moment as the play-by-play where you have two or three options. One, dive in and save that guy. Oh, no, no, no. It's actually Philadelphia. You just kind of make it play it off. Hey, whatever. It happens. Yeah. You, you can basically dive in, correct, get in the way and just like change the topic. Hey, you know, but they do have some timeouts left and Toronto might get the ball back. Or you can do the, the nuclear option, which is cross your arms and just be like, I'm just going to let you do this because I don't really know you and I don't really work with you all that. Like Al Michaels would never do that to Collinsworth. Joe Buck would never do that to Aiden. Yeah. Right away, they would get in there and try to correct it. It was just like a Philly ball. Philly ball. Exactly. Yeah. It, it was just amazing that he just let it play out. And then the play-by-play guy right before the inbound, it is like, actually, it's Philadelphia ball. Here comes the pass. Inbounds. And then it was like right into the Embiid call. And I was like, oh, man, as a broadcaster, I'm like, I know people that don't work in broadcasting might not understand what's happening there. But I'm listening to the the empty spaces in between the negative space. And I'm like, oh, man, this is like he's embarrassed and he wants nothing to do with Brendan Haywood. So he's trying to distance himself by just not talking for as long as possible. And then I'll come back and do my play by play. And I was like, well, that's a that's a bad dynamic. That's yeah, that that sounds the way you describe it. That's exactly what's going on. That's that's hard because we all make mistakes. Yeah. Right. One guy is another guy's name. Two guys. You you said one guy's name. My the best the highlight play of the year that I called was Duke Williams touchdown in the uh, West final. And uh, I had just finished making a point about Shaq Evans. And I, then I said Fajardo deep for Shaq. Mm-hmm. But it was Duke. And I immediately I hadn't even known it. And then I said, no, and I said Shaq, because I immediately started talking about Duke. And like, ah, when you say thousands and thousands of words, weird stuff creeps out. But that's a hard one. A good dynamic would be like Philly ball, Brandon, Philly ball. Yeah. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then let him fix you would, it. Or you would do that for Luke. I would do that for Mike Morielli. I would do that for Dwayne. Yeah. He would do that for me. Although now that I think about it, when I messed up my first touchdown call, Ottawa, BC, Dwayne was surprisingly quiet. <laughs> yeah well yeah the, the way yeah the other thing is that Trent has been fantastic he may get a shot if Philly converts on this one you can if you don't jump in yeah reading those pauses is difficult yeah. with a new partner there's so much in broadcasting that makes the best ones the best ones sounds like that was not the best one yeah I agree I, I hate to bring up a negative on that but it's just the art of broadcasting sometimes when I'm watching a game I'm like man this is a this is a weird tandem that's going on but um, yeah. I, also, I also had a conversation with somebody the other day who was like do you realize that like the thing you do like you do the same job as Al Michaels and Joe Buck and I was like yeah, I guess. I'm like, for Canada? I'm like, it's, you know, they're American. They do the American thing. I'm Canadian. I do the Canadian thing. They're like, they get like 14 million a year, I saw. Like, somebody mentioned to me, and I was like, yeah, I actually haven't even, like, talked to anybody about whether or not I'm doing all the games that I think I'm doing this year. So I was like, yeah, a bit of a different dynamic. Those guys have, like, contract safety for a decade, right? Or further. Yeah. Even. Al Michaels is so old now, and he's just like, Amazon money? Sure. Why would I not want that? So <laughs> the, the business yeah. is crazy for sure. Um, I, we are going to get to our top Canadians. It is the uh, the theory and the, uh, the kind of outline on this episode. But before we get into our top five list of the week here, um, I did just want to mention for a second the uh, the Stephen Richardson injury uh, oh, stove because I know you awful. and I I know you and I are both oh. huge fans of his and uh, I I also want to give a shout out to the BC Lions for Arrow Up the production that they put out that's similar to Behind the R the team produced uh, kind of a little ten minute documentary series that they're doing 
I thought the first episode was awesome. I love watching the background on Nathan Rourke and getting to know him a little bit better as a lot of Canadian football fans will throughout hopefully a very successful summer for Rourke and the the Lions. But I mean, it makes the Woody Barron signing with Stephen Richardson make a lot smarter now, right? Because it looks like they're not going to have Stowe for a significant period of time. But you and I were just so excited to see him playing in that defense alongside Boom and a couple of the Canadian guys that they got and Menard and Betts and uh, like injuries are going to happen. It could have happened at week one, week two, and it still would have sucked. But for it to happen in the offseason, you just see it pop up on the timeline. You're like, ah, oh, why? Why? Yeah. And what were, what were the quotes from Campbell? Uh, serious injury and hopefully, you know, down the stretch run, he can be back. It makes you think of like the big two in the leg, right? Like yeah. the big two non-contact ones in the leg. And you go, God, I, it's bad, but it's hopeful. I... Richardson was such a force in that Winnipeg defense as well. I mean, surrounded by elite talent. And honestly, there's some pretty elite talent on that BC defensive line. And that was the, the way they filled that out was one of the reasons I was, I was excited to see them go this year, right? Obviously the way they filled at their back end too, but Richardson was going to be a, a key part to that defense. So I just, I just hope he's back to, to full speed whenever it is this right. year. If it's, if it takes till next year, whatever, just be back to full speed because uh, Steven Richardson is a ton of fun to watch. Yeah. And a reminder as well, that I think we forget sometimes when we go through the off season that yeah, football is a beautiful game and a fun game. And it's also a really, really cruel game sometimes like it can. <laughs> and for him to be doing that in off season training, uh, my mind immediately went to that dude can squat a house. And I just hope, I hope that it wasn't something where he's like, you know, squatting a house and his leg just gives out or something like that. You know, we don't have the details. We don't really need the details, but it was just in terms of the lower body structure. Like if you were to say to me, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of somebody real tall and skinny, like maybe a Justin McInnes, right? Receiver out in Saskatchewan. If you were to say like, Hey, he had a non-contact knee injury. I'd be like, wow. Yeah. Like he's a slight dude. And like, if somebody hit him in the side of the legs, like there's not a lot there the number of people who would dive at the legs of Steven Richardson for the last two years in the CFL. And he would just like shrug because his tree trunk legs are, he's just a fire hydrant. He's short and thick and uh, it wouldn't make yeah. any difference. I was like, I don't even know how somebody that has that type of, cause if it was a peck, he'd be like, Hey, we'll be back in two months. If it was a broken wrist or something, it's like, Hey, we'll cast it up a bit. But like you're saying a significant injury, significant period of time you're like it's got to be a major one in the lower body how does somebody that plays and looks like that get injured in their lower body in the off season four guys four guys for the riders on one day yeah. how many guys had achilles how many guys had achilles in the cfl in 2021 wasn't it like it was somewhere between like eight and ten yeah it was ridiculous it was way way achilles way 21 and you go Oh, and I, I don't think the I remember reading a paper on the NFL and they don't have that many in a season and they're a thirty-two team league versus a nineteen league. So weird weird stuff happens and it's it always it always hurts because for some guys it's a career ender. There there are guys who did their Achilles last season that okay, they might be re-signed by teams for this season, but the the odds are not in their favor based on the history of Achilles injuries and football players because of the position they play. Uh it's All, all I can do every time I hear one of these injuries is just hope for the best. If it is Achilles, um, if it's, you know, like you say, in the squat rack, a couple of guys who played for the Riders did themselves in the squat rack in the last couple of years because they're hugely strong and sometimes things go bad. I Steven Richardson just, just get better but because yep. uh, uh, BC, I mean, he, he committed to BC. BC committed to him on a two-year deal. They see a lot in him. He must see the right things in them and Hopefully he's at the very least back for 23. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's dive into our uh, our top five this week. So much discussion around the ratio and the uh, importance, or if you ask James Wilder Jr., the lack of importance around Canadian players in the Canadian Football League. I did, I did laugh when James, I think, thought that he was pandering to the masses and going to get like an affirmation when he said let me ask Mm. you this you know if would you rather watch the very best players or canadian players just because they're homegrown and i was like i I hate crawling into the replies to tweets but i crawled into that one because i was like i think i know what's going to happen here and sure enough the first 50 comments were all 
Canadian, 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 yeah. every all the way down because passionate Canadian football fans love watching and having that connection. And, and it was funny too, because there was ex players, current players um, that were you know going in there and commenting on their own as well. But it's obviously let, any, let, anytime the CBA comes up, it becomes a major discussion. Yeah. Let me hit up one thing about that. Uh, ex- excluding the, the very top leagues of the big four sports, NFL, NBA, major league baseball, NHL. It is not even remotely uncommon for leagues to have residency or citizenship requirements, because if they didn't, every every basketball league in Asia would be would be all American. Every place in the world outside of the big four sports does it. Mm -hmm. That's the deal. It's a game in Canada. We want Canadians to play it at all levels. There's going to be a Canadian ratio economics that's going to uh, create a demand for Canadian players, their salaries are going to be driven up. That's that's how it is in every league that is not the big four. Uh, soccer, I I forget if the Premier League is still like that. I think they've abandoned that because they went, oh, Ronaldo, and I can have these guys, and I can have Pepe, and I can have Nemanja Vinic. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to, we're going to abandon that. But there are there are residency rules in, in every sport that's not the big four, it feels like. So I, I just can't even wade into that conversation anymore because I love our Canadians our, and our Canadians are going to get, they're going to get a lot of money because there are, there's a lot of competition for the best Canadians. Right. And it's, it's going to happen and we're going to celebrate the best ones here. Yeah. And, and I do sympathize with people. Like I saw Don Jackson of the Tiger Cats tweeting out the idea that like, he's just tired of watching the Canadian who stands around and doesn't do anything, make more money than him as he's touching the ball or being involved in almost every single plane. It's like, I get that. Like it, yeah. just from a human nature person, you're looking at a guy next to you on the roster and saying, you're not doing anything compared to what I'm doing. And we're making similar money. And it's just because of nationality. It's like, okay, well, here's the thing. That's the way the CFL is crafted. And I hate to do the old, like just confirmation bias of, well, that's the way it is. So that's the way it's always going to be. But when I look at leagues, like the Canadian elite basketball league that Mike Morelli is the head of, and uh, I look at the Canadian premier league, they obviously have very similar, whether it be ratio rules or having U sports drafts. And when I watch games in the CEBL, because I love hoops and I love the fact Mm. that we have a Canadian league that's emerging and being played at a really high level, I'll check in on it all the time. And it's like, if we didn't have just to, you know, this is my personal opinion, but if we did not have some of those national spots that were allotted um, it would be less interesting to me. It really would. And I know that people think, well, oh, it's so bad because you get a, you know, I see the quotes on the, uh, the insider talk columns that come out three down, but people saying, do we really want a kid who you know, grew up in uh, Sane FX playing out there against AUS talent to be going up against an SEC defensive end? And, the, and it's like, okay, yep. it, might, it might not be ideal, but yes, I do want that because when he proves, when yeah. he proves that he can handle it, that's a difference maker for your roster. Like that's how things are constructed. And again, just to tie back to the CBL, I tune into those games, Xavier moon, incredible player for the Edmonton stingers. The first couple of years goes down. Now he's playing with the Clippers and whatnot this past year, but um, you can give me all the Xavier moons in the world. And it'll still feel me wanting a little bit more to have, well, there's Owen Clausen who went to Bay Ridge Secondary School down the road from me in Kingston, Ontario, played at Acadia, plays for the Canadian National Men's Program. And here he is playing in the CEBL alongside these really talented American players. And I just, I love the, the dynamic that that creates in roster construction. It forces people that build rosters to have to do it differently, creatively, and be effective at not just one thing. It's not just, well, go get your veterans or go get your Americans or you have to do everything well in order to build a cohesive roster. And I love that. I love yeah. that about CFL. Well, and, and part of the, part of the reason we mentioned James Wilder, and Don Jackson running back is incredibly replaceable. Yeah. Running back is the most replaceable position in the Canadian football league in probably all of professional football. You put a different running back in there. Nobody notices Don Jackson plays on a team that regularly goes through four running backs because they're, they, what are, what's the ratio today? Okay, it's it's uh, STE, it's Jack, it's Malik Irons and Jackson Bennett. You guys are on today. Don, we can put an American, you're on today. And, oh, the results end up being kind of the same. Running back is incredibly replaceable, so I be, be happy they like you and, and that you have a job. Be happy that they, they, they see in you good enough stuff that they don't replace you immediately because I like I, – honestly, I like both those guys. I've talked to both those guys. 
you're not getting the Canadians out of the Canadian Football League. The Canadian Football League is for Canadian football, and it's for Canadian football at all levels. Because I'll go back to the West Final again. Uh, Riders miss a field goal. Janarian Grant takes it out of the end zone, and he's about to bust it for a touchdown. And that would have ended the game. I think this was third quarter. That would have been game over in my mind because the Bombers were, were destined to win. Albert Owachi comes from nowhere and makes an unbelievable tackle. And I like Albert Awachi is a very, very spot offensive player for the Riders. He'll come in and blocking formations and and he doesn't play a ton of offense. He made one of the greatest plays of the season. And a Canadian kid can look at that and go, you know what? I could be Albert Awachi. I did that when I was a kid, and I was no Albert Awachi when I was a kid. <laughs> but I thought, you know what? Uh, when uh, when I got to, and even even the connection grows a little deeper when I started covering the, the CFL. I looked at uh, I forget who the but the the writers were like Milt Stegall, uh, Bobby Gordon, and Jamie Stoddard was the Canadian receiver. And forgive me, there was another one. Was it Jeff Driver? Is that a name that I haven't thought hit the name in a while? But I'm like. I looked at that and went, man, if I tried harder, I could have been a guy who could have been the backup to the backup to Jamie Stoddard. And it, and it's stupid, but that's our connection to the game, right? Is And it's uh, it's our lack of connection to reality as grown men. But you go, I could have, I could have, if I went, and it makes me love that guy more. And I will never forget Jamie Stoddard's name. I can't name you a highlight that Jamie did because it's been a while, but I will never forget Jamie Stoddard's name. And I think his numbers retired at UBC or he was a big deal at UBC. He's got a section of seats that are retired, whatever it is. It's, it, it's a deeper connection to the game that I don't think we would get with a, with a random player who, if you took all the, if you took 10 basic skills and put them in a line and tallied it up, well, his, his 95 is bigger than your 91. So we're going to play him. Now it's, this game's about Canadians and we love Canada and that's, it ain't changing. It ain't yeah. it, man. It would, whew, it would be set on fire if if they did. Uh, I have a super random one for you, but I just I I know where he went to school. I just want to make absolutely sure that he actually is okay. Yeah, he is a Canadian. Um, this was a stupid one. That's just a random throwback name for me when I was a kid, just because I was thinking about some of the names you were dropping there. When yeah. I, I went to my first CFL games as a kid growing up in Kingston, Ontario, I would go down to the Sky Dome and see the Argos. And it was a big deal to go down. I remember watching Cam Wake and Brent Johnson smashing helmets into each other before the game to like wake each other up when the BC Lions came in to play on a Saturday afternoon with the dome half open. I went down there with me and four of my boys and, and just like we we're grade 10, grade 11, had an amazing time. Andre Talbot. Yeah. Andre, to me, Andre Talbot was super relatable. And it a lot of that at a young age is just looking at somebody and saying, you don't look that different from me. And you're a professional football player. And I think a good example of that to a lot of kids, honestly, in the Hamilton community is Mike Daly, who does the daily news here with us on CFP is like Mike Daly grew up in Kitchener, Waterloo, went to McMaster, played for the Hamilton Tiger Cats for essentially a decade and like went to Grey Cups, had an amazing experience. It helped him have a family. He's got two beautiful kids and a, and a wonderful wife, Sam. And it's like, yeah, he's a friend of mine, so I know his story better than others, but there's a lot of those stories out there. And to your point of Albert Awachi, it makes me think of like daily intercepting Johnny Manziel. It's like, yeah, it's like when he picks him off in Johnny's first start, it's like, that's cool as hell. That's a kid from Kitchener that's intercepting a Heisman Trophy winner in a CFL game on national television. And then this week on the on the Daily News, we recorded it last night. We have Vernon Adams Jr. on and VA tells us what it's like to have Mike Daly playing across from him. That dude went to Oregon. <laughs> yeah. like, like he's incredibly talented. Yeah. He, sh he probably should be in the NFL if things had gone a little bit differently here or there based off, especially on the way that like Lamar Jackson's tearing it up now, VA, if he was coming out now would probably be more attractive, but he's talking to us about, you know, trying to deal with Daly and Daly's talking to me about reading VA's eyes and trying to move him and manipulate him. And, and yeah, that again, I just, I keep driving home the point to me, that's one of the truly special things about this game is that we have people that we can look at, relate to, aspire to be like them and watch them perform at a high level against these big name Americans that end up coming up from these big schools that you're watching on Saturday down south. So uh, yeah. anyways, that is, uh, it, that is our rant, if you want to call it that, a very gentle, thought out rant uh, from DT and myself here on the breakdown. Uh, but let's get into 
our top five Canadians each. We've already uh, blustered along here for half an hour, so maybe we'll just keep these to a minute or two max each, uh, unlike our usual winding road that we take. But uh, I will give <laughs> I will give you the floor here, DT, on uh, on who you are looking at with your first Canadian. These are just the elite Canadians. These aren't necessarily yeah. the ratio breakers. These aren't necessarily just all stars. These are guys that we just really love that are Canadians that are in the game today. Can we can we agree we we can retire the phrase ratio breaker? Yeah. Like we need to. We need to let's one podcast. We're going to come up with a definition of what's an actual ratio breaker because yes. garden variety Canadian who starts at a tackle or end or linebacker spot or field is not necessarily a ratio breaker. Let's just let's just let's just curve out what ratio uh, breaker really- has to be somebody I would say like a Jordan Williams, where yeah, like he comes Quaker in Boateng, Quaker Boateng, giving you. I don't want to say American level production because Canadians can be extremely productive as well. But the idea of doing it in a position that is typically a lot, like let's say if there were a Canadian that were to play Sam linebacker and be one of the best in the Canadian football league, that's the definition of a ratio breaker because it's like that spot is not Canadian. So if somebody plays it and plays it well, that's a massive difference for your team. Davis Sanchez, when he played boundary corner, yeah, exactly. Ra- ratio broken in that yes. case. Absolutely. Uh, I had a real tough time with this. Um, so uh, first up, I'm going to, and I, and I picked five I wanted to focus on. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're the best five, and they're not going to be in any order. But my apologies to Curly Gittins Jr., who I think was fantastic last season. Uh, Tunde Adelike, who love, love, love. Mike Adam, who will be back from his wrist injury and is going to crush it for the Riders. Uh, and Renee Paredes, who just missed out as I chose a kicker. But uh, I'll explain later. Uh, first up, I'm going to Nick Dembski of uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's that number three receiver. Uh, he, he Nick does everything, right? You see it while watching him. Oh, he need runs from the running back position. Here's Nick Dembski. And he runs from the slot back position. Okay, here's Nick Dembski. Oh, you've got, uh, what, what, what do they play? He probably played 17 games last year, 16 games last year. Here's five targets a game, six targets a game for Nick Dembski. 732 yards, five touchdowns, 18 more carries. Uh, he's under 10 yards average depth of target, which means a lot of opportunities for yards after the catch. 21 times last season, Nick Dembski had 10 or more yards after the catch. Wow. And that's not one of those stats where he busted one for 80 yak yards and it poisons the well. Here's, here's 10, here's 11, here's 15, here's 30, here's 18. Like it's just constantly... Dembski, a guy I've seen since college. I was fortunate enough to call his games in college. Just fantastic. And, and the way that Paul Lapolis and now Buck Pierce have been able to deploy him and turn him into a lethal weapon uh, is fantastic. Number four in the Canadian Football League in red zone targets, by the way. Nick Dembski is, if he's not the top of my list of Canadians in the CFL, he's right near it. Yeah, I love that one. I, I went back uh, in the Grey Cup prep and watched a lot of the score zone play calling route design. And so much of what they do is singularly designed like climb routes and diagonals and just ways to get Dembski in the middle of the field that um, is so, so good. So yeah, he would have been on my list too. I'll, I'll kick him off to make room for yours. But the one thing I will say, this is twofold. I need Dembski one thing I, that he leaves me wanting more of is just finishing, like getting into the end zone when he has the opportunity. Cause he does, he catches it, he breaks open, he runs away from two people and then he like stumbles over his own feet or he like takes a bad angle and he ends up running out of bounds or as, and I, it, it's funny okay. because Milt Stiegel kills him for it. And there's two reasons I want it. One, I want DT to be calling as many Dembski touchdowns as he possibly can Two, Dembski deserves to get into the end zone more based on the things that he does on the field. And I just, I want so badly for him to have, I don't think it's a killer instinct thing. It's not a mentality. It's literally like, just stop tripping over yourself in the open field because you're way too good of an athlete to be doing this. I want you in the end zone so that we can look at you at the end of the year and go, wow, 14 touchdowns. What an incredible season for Nick Dembski. Yeah, his uh, his drop, his touchdown drop that turned into an interception in the, in the West yeah. final is, is an unfortunate example. A little bit of a tough, one of those tough balls that's like straight over the top, but uh, pops up and here comes Gainey in to swoop it, keep that game in the ballpark. Uh, but man, like to, to see uh, to see a coach, speaking of how we use Canadians in the league, to see a coach look at Dembski and go, I can do a ton of things with this guy. He's not just the blocking guy who will catch 10 passes this year. He's not just the outside guy who we're going to, we're just going to run go balls and eventually throw him a couple. 
we're going to do everything with this guy because he's a special athlete. I, I enjoy Nick Dembski uh, a ton. Uh, I mentioned 21 catches of 10 yards uh, after the catch or more. Uh, I, I had to go, well, is that, is that a lot? It sounds like a lot, but isn't a lot. Ryan Davis of the Red Blacks had the same number of targets seven times. Davis got 10 or more yards after, after the wow. catch. Dembski three times as many as Ryan Davis, who was pretty nice in that for, for not a while, Red Black in 2021. Uh, he's the man. I, uh, by the way, I saw Paul Lapolis at the Combine. I said, hey, I'm trying to get a handle on your your receivers, like what the lineup's going to look like here. Like, can you just take me kind of across the board? And he kind of like leaned over and he's like, I mean, we got Nate, you know, we can do Ryan. We got BJ, um, you know, RJ, uh, you know, we got, and he just, he's like Jalen and then we'll see where he lands. And then, and I was like, do you have like a, an idea right now where you want to put these guys across the board he's just like yeah no we're just gonna let it play out <laughs> he was he basically just told me every, everybody that was yeah. on their roster and i was like okay that doesn't help me at all but it does prove how much better their talent has gotten at that spot around him so yeah uh, darvin and Jalen to the boundary bj and rj uh fight for that y position and then two canadians is my guess but yes yeah uh, We'll know next month. Exactly. Oh, it's only a month away. So, ah, so uh, good. All right. Next up for you, I'm going to go with my first. Uh, this one's super straightforward. It is the outstanding Canadian. Shocker. Uh, everybody. Bo Lacombo, uh is who I am going to draft as my first selection here in the Canadians. And uh, I was fortunate to call three Lions games uh, this past year of the four that I did on television. I called a game against Ottawa, another against Toronto, another against uh, Hamilton. And in all of those He's just everywhere. Like it's, ex- mm. it's exhausting where any, the thing that I'm most impressed by is that Bo has always been athletic and he's always been able to get into the backfield and been able to drop out. But now he's getting all of these little plays where I think his eyes are getting trained better and better with every snap he takes in, in his CFL career where he is knocking things away. He's in the right spot to close down a throwing lane. He's just tipping a ball at the line of scrimmage or he's just getting enough of a, you know, he'll see a handoff and he'll get enough of an offensive guard to push him down and reduce the opening in the hole for the running back. Like he's doing all these little things, um, but he's also very productive, obviously, in terms of tackles and being able to have a well-rounded game. So uh, for me, it's not just because he won the most outstanding Canadian. I think he's probably the most well-rounded Canadian defender at this point. Again, you could have Tunde Adelike in that conversation, which I'll just mm-hmm. throw, I'll throw Tunde in here because you already mentioned, like he's another one on my list. And the reason that I love Tunde is that the flexibility he showed in the playoff stretch run for the Ticats, where he goes from free safety to, uh, you know, field corner, they start picking on him at field corner and Siante Evans is like, Hey, get the hell inside, go play field half that, by the way, I was told uh, by somebody on the Ticats, not Mike Daly, but somebody on the Ticats in the, the week leading up to the great cup, that was not a coaching decision when they were playing musical chairs to move around all those pieces that was Siante Evans going basically on the field in the moment. Hey, Tunde, are you good with field half? Cause like, if you're in there, we can at least give you some help because they're going after you out here by yourself on an Island. He's like, yeah, I'll be okay. He's like, cool switch. They, like, they were just like wow. mixing and matching positions because those guys all understood all of the positions, having a Canadian that can do that, play all of those spots, bounce around, feel pretty comfortable and play that fast and athletic Tunde for me and Bola Combo, I just, as, as a two pack of defenders, I think they're the most versatile guys in the game. Yeah. I, I have a tough time uh, arguing with, with any of that. So I, uh, I like Lacombo. I, I took Jordan Williams on my list. Nice. Uh, Williams. I mean, he's an older rookie, but man, he just, he just sweeps it all up. Like he, he cleans it all up in that middle linebacker spot. And honestly, this is kind of the revolution I'm, I'm wanting in the Canadian football league. I, you and I have talked before. I want Canadians at running back. I, I want, I'm, if I'm a team now. I'm just going Canadian linebacker. Yeah. It can be done. BC is doing it. Calgary. Oh, Hey, we traded for Cam judge. Let's do that. Toronto, Enoch Wamba and Cam judge last season. We'll keep Enoch. Enoch's what? 34. He's getting up there. Still, still street sweeping like let's get canadians in at linebacker because these guys can make plays riders with micah tights oh hey we lost a guy micah tights is in there micah tights looks good all right let's go let's get our canadians in there uh jordan williams that guy is just a thousand miles an hour all the time which on the one level i love and on the next level i go hey just bring it back to like (laughs) 
994 miles an hour and you won't whip by as many tackles. But they're they're part of what what needs to be happening in the Canadian Football League is let's get these. There are a lot of Canadian linebackers. Every team can maybe I'm, uh, the riders did to the ton. So maybe I'm just assuming it on every team. The riders carried a ton of uh, a ton of linebackers because they love them on special teams. Let's get them into some plays. Like who know a, a guy like uh, trying to think of Solomon Elmimian, Alex Singleton, uh, Adam Big Hill. Okay, those guys Americans in that middle spot. Okay, yeah, so yeah, you're yes, but not everybody's Adam Big Hill. So let's get some Canadian linebackers in there wrecking things. Williams is a fantastic athlete who can move, and did not I don't. Did not look out of place as a rookie, as a guy who hadn't played football in a while. In 2021, I love it. I like my Jordan Williams. So uh, since you say Lacombo, let's just wrap up and take that whole BC uh, linebacking core. Yeah, I'm on board with all of that. And I, because you mentioned him, I'll just throw him onto my list as well here, which is Enoch. Because if we're going to have a linebacker fest, like you're just talking about, and we're going to put Bo on there, and we're going to put Jordan Williams on there, you mm. can't, you can't not put Enoch on there at this point and it, the reason they say that is like i love your analogy of street sweeping where it's like everything that's from basically tackle box to tackle box is like he'll get in and be physical as hell with anybody who's in that spot yeah mm-hmm. sure he has his deficiencies i mean i watched the tiger cats uh in 2000 i want to say it was like luke taskers last year so it would have been 2019 where yeah. they were playing against montreal and they would go quads to the field isolate Enoch would have to come out and take the number four receiver on the inside because that's how Montreal's defense was structured and they were just running option routes on Enoch on every second and five and it's like well yeah but that's not really what he's paid to do to cover Luke Tasker that's just good coaching to take advantage of whatever the system is so for me I see what he's about and what he brings to a team and I think that there's a lot of a lot of leadership that he brings to every locker room as well which I, I think as a Canadian you're never going to have leadership listed as, you know, your most important facet. You obviously got to be a lot more and, and accomplish a lot of other things to have success in the league. But man, I, I think he's changed a little bit of that Toronto defensive philosophy and they're going to have a lot of moving pieces uh, in Toronto with the way the free agency has gone and all the rest. But Dinwiddie's going to lean on Enoch to be that guy. I think for them defensively where it's like, Hey, we're not going to have everybody back on the D line that we had. Um, you know, our, mm. our back end might change a little bit. We might look a little different offensively, but you're going to be the thing in the middle. It's always that it's the weird thing we do in football. It's one of the many reasons I love this game is that the center, especially in Hamilton, where I've been around for a decade plus now, whether it was Marwan Hage or going into Mike Filer, or it was always like that's that holds a special place in that roster. And for me, middle linebacker, like when I went out in 2013 as part of the internship program with the Calgary Stampeders, it was Juwan Simpson. It was like mm, he, yeah. he, he was the mouth. He was the, the productive tackler. He was just he was that dude where it was like if you walked into a room and Juwan Simpson was in there, you knew about it right away. Like he just brought this energy. And for me, that's a special, unique role for a Canadian to be able to, to take on. And Enoch has done that at a really high level for a long time. So I just, I, I would feel bad leaving him off because I think he deserves to be yep. in, a, in a list of the 10 best Canadians that exist in the league right now. Yeah. I do want to keep, I got one more linebacker. I got yeah. one more linebacker on my list. We mentioned Bo, we've mentioned Enoch, we mentioned Jordan Williams. Uh, I would wager, there's not a bet on this out there, but I would wager that Cam Judge has a tremendous season this year. Judge leaves the Riders after most outstanding, well, the West representative for most outstanding Canadian, got hurt in Toronto last year. Traded to Calgary. Jameer Thurman goes into the middle, and I have the ultimate, right? Jameer Thurman, is he the best, might be the best linebacker in the Canadian Football League. I'd have to run it out, but I, I think Jameer Thurman is fantastic. So I, I feel like that is the perfect place where Cam Judge can prosper. Uh, when he got nominated for most outstanding Canadian, what was it? Five sacks. They weren't, they weren't, I had to beat a guy's sacks. They were opportunistic. Jason Shiver sends him at the right time. Boom, blows up a plate, fumble, touchdown riders. Judge can cover judges. He's a big body. Like he, I don't know if he looks like it when he plays, but he's a big, strong dude and he can move. Uh, I, I think Cam judge in that Calgary defense 
with what they present up front, what they present behind him, and the guy he's playing with in that linebacking court. I think Cam Judge has a fantastic season in Calgary this year. That would be my bet. So the good folks at Bodog can put one of those out there. Will Cam Judge have a great season? Yes, minus 110. I put a lot of money on yes at minus 110. Uh, I, uh, it's funny cause I've never stood next to him, but he's never come off to me as a, that big of a guy. And, and I don't know him well enough and I didn't cover a team that he was playing on. Um, but I believe he measures in at like six, two, six, three. I want to say like two twenty ish, which I mean, two, two thirty five, two thirty five. Wow. Yeah. And muscle. Um, like a guy like Darnell Sankey is, is, uh, is a little thicker, but judge judges. Honestly, he's deceptively big because he, he's he's a very quiet guy as yeah. well, you know, off the field. You just kind of lose the sense, you know, when you see a guy in big baggy sweats, he is muscle. His like when you watch him doing drills in practice, his thighs, <laughs> damn, like he's a big dude and he can he can wreck stuff. And I yeah. Cam judge this season. That's Watch like D- Dylan Wynn uh in Hamilton. He'll show up on the coldest days of the year and cut his practice pants into the booty shorts and <laughs> He's just like, as you're, he's walking around between drills. It's like watching a horse, like take a step where the entire leg just like shifts and wraps around the bone of the femur. And I'm like, how do humans turn themselves into this? I don't understand. But yeah, it's, uh, I like that one. And you know, what's funny. I actually just on the outside looking in for me. And for some people you might say, what, why was he even close to this list? But I have, I have great respect for Royce Mechie who Cam Judge Mm. was traded for and I just wonder what he's going to look like uh, in that Toronto defense going forward here, because I, I've, I thought highly about him and his time in Calgary as well. So uh, my next one for you here, uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you can go kicker. It's fine. No, no. Well, I had, I had two on my list and one of them is Rene Paradis. And I want to give Rene love because he's a five time CFL all-star and all the accolades and a super, 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 super accurate and all the rest. Uh, but I'm going to hold off from kickers on this list myself. I know you've got one in your final two. I'm staring down the barrel of one Andrew Harris here, deciding whether or not to pull the trigger. On my list. Let's do it. <laughs> Let, let's, let's give Andrew Harris the love. Okay. So Andrew Harris, uh, the only hesitation is because I've spent too much time talking to you. And I've come to realize <laughs> that, yeah, there's a lot about running backs that, I don't want to say it's replaceable, but you can get a fairly approximate value from a lot of different guys just because you're not giving them the ball as much. And when you limit the touches, limit the opportunity in the way that our game is called and the way our game is played, then yeah, you're not going to see a huge disparity. If you're giving a guy the ball 40 times, there's going to be a difference between this, but we don't do that. So, uh, but when I saw Andrew Harris down the stretch in the Grey Cup in Hamilton, where Winnipeg needed it. It was almost like, yeah, you know, my, my body might've been a little bit banged up throughout the year. And yeah, you know, it might've taken me a little while to get myself right going into training camp, coming off a pandemic year and this and that. And, uh, you know, I didn't start the season and Brady Oliveira did Johnny Augustine came in and he looked really nice and on and on. And I just saw a guy who blocked everything out down the stretch in that great cup in Hamilton and said, the only thing that matters is that when I get the ball put in my hands in the next five minutes here, I am going to make the most of it. And when he gets into that mindset of Andrew Harris locked in go time, I'm going to churn my legs and get yards. Absolutely. No matter what bleep you, I don't care who's in front of me, how many people you're trying to tackle me with. When he Mm -hmm. gets into that, it's different. It's just different. And there's a lot of good young Canadian running back. Sean Thomas Erlington's very talented. I love what he does. Um, you know, some of the guys that are on the West as uh, West coast as well, whether they be backups or heading towards trying to trend towards being starters, there's a lot of good, but I think Harris is great. And the question is of course, age injury, what he is going into the season. But from what I saw down the stretch in Hamilton, I just, I don't know how you don't say he's special. He's different. Do you think this is why Harris is on my list? One, he's good Two. Do you think there's any CFL fan who is just indifferent to Andrew Harris? No, everybody loves See, or hates. I, and that's the thing. I don't yeah. think anybody has no opinion of Andrew Harris. Yeah. I think they love him. I think, or they hate him because man, he storms over and, and probably over the six years I've tracked, 
he he's the guy most likely to get yards after contact on a run. And he stands up and first down. And you go, when you're when you're rooting for the opposing team, God, do you hate that first down signal? <laughs> or do you hate how he's all snarky and and ripping on your guys after he tears off an eleven yard huge hole, eleven yard run, first down? God, you hate that. But I assume if you're an Andrew Harris guy, uh, you love that. His yards after contact, his rate of making missed tackles fell off last year. We all we all kind of saw it. His yards per carry kind of show that it was two years of six yards per carry playoff included. Last year, it was down to 5.3. Harris is kind of the example of as you get a better offensive line, those numbers, those numbers will go up. Think of his 4.7 as last year in BC to these offensive lines that are killing people. And Winnipeg has to use two combinations of offensive line all year because they're healthy and they're fantastic at their jobs. Six yards here, six yards there, six yards there. He is, he is still. I, th- this is this is a finer nerd point. You could you could explain this one better than I could, but I was just cleaning up some of my data in advance of the season, and I had to go back and I was watching maybe a hundred plays, and a lot of them were in it being the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and you watch them in protection when they keep the running back in, and Andrew Harris does not miss. He doesn't miss, and Augustine would be in there, and you'd be like, uh, I think maybe Johnny should be leaking out on this play because it's a three man rush. You don't really need six guys there. You should probably just go like. Harris does not miss blocking assignments. It, it feels like, oh, I got to go backside to get a guy. I'm not really supposed to be there, but he's coming. Andrew's got it. Like there's that part of it too, and that's and that's the stuff that people will use to me as well. Guys aren't replaceable, and I don't 100% buy it, but I know it's got to be very valuable to keeping your quarterback from getting absolutely murdered by a late coming Simone Lawrence. Yeah, and, and the two things jump out to me on the pass protection angle for Andrew. One is. He doesn't, it's almost like I heard this quote about Tom Brady where he said, I'm at the point in my career where there literally is not a type of defense or a scheme that can be put in front of me that I have not seen at some point in my life. I have played football for 20 plus years. I have Mm -hmm. seen everything. People have tried everything against me. Andrew Harris obviously hasn't been playing for 20 plus years, but he's been playing long enough and been playing Canadian football his entire life there really isn't a blitz that he hasn't seen. And so his vision is so trained that like you're saying, he just doesn't miss assignments. And yeah. the, the other part of that is you might think, well, yeah, he always picks guys up and, but it's really about his awareness of knowing when to get out and how quickly to get out. That's yes. Right. That second and, part and for sure. It's like, because when you're, you see everything, you understand the scheme and you're like, you know, you're reading from, from the middle linebacker to the will linebacker. And you're like, Nope, Nope. Boom. Check. And you're just out. And as a quarterback, that's your best friend. Because then all of a sudden, I know I have my release valve. And if it's man coverage and you release out into the flats, well, now you're taking a linebacker out of the picture. And now we've got in breaking routes in behind it. And you've cleared somebody out for me. If you hesitate and go, I don't know if I should get it or not. And then, and then you dive out into the flats. Well, you've had that linebacker linger for an extra second or two. And now the quarterback's going pat, 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 and climb in the pocket and people are getting in his face and making the throw more difficult. So again, it's the, it's the relationship and the connection that Andrew makes a lot of things in your backfield run smoother yeah. Uh, and, and what that's going to look like in Toronto, I think we're all in, intrigued to see what it turns into, but, um, yeah, he absolutely has to be on this list for all of those reasons. What, one thing about what's going to happen in Toronto is Toronto paid him a bunch of money. So I have to believe they're going to use him in the run game and in the pass game too. DJ Foster, who they have is, is a pretty good receiving back. We saw last season, 36 catches for 373 yards who's 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 going to lose targets is it harris going to lose targets which is a good deal of his effectiveness or is foster going to lose targets that to me is going to be an interesting thing to see in this toronto offense because you're not you're not getting an 18 game season going to throw 100 balls to your running backs oh okay i'll pick pick a number but they you're not going to be able to give both guys the number of targets that they perhaps deserve Especially when Chad Kelly is throwing the rock 50 yards downfield every snap. I mean, that's, exactly. you're, you're, not, you're not throwing 100 check downs at that point. I will say this as well. I'd like to do this perhaps next week, one of the next couple of weeks um, here on, on the breakdown is when you mentioned the Argos and DJ Foster, it made me think of players that I'm very excited about on their roster. One of them until this week when he was released was Daniel Braverman. Um, 
I they released Braverman? Oh, they no released, way. Yeah, and I saw that, and I want to do next week perhaps a top five list of guys that we thought would be special that never became anything in the CFL. <laughs> uh, because is that, is that the Jonathan Jennings Award? Is that I, I mean, picked Jonathan Jennings to be the MOP in 2016, <laughs> so I think I may know who might leave my list. Unfortunately, uh, I got a couple that I, I have on the top of my head, but yeah, Braverman being released this week was uh, was an interesting one for sure. So Andrew Harris is my fourth. What do you got? Uh, so, yeah, I got Harris on my list at four, so I'm going to yep. move to uh, number five. And yep. I love my kickers and punters. I love them all. Uh, the best punters in the league right now are an American and a global, so I couldn't give too much love to the uh, Canadian <laughs> punters in the league. But the best kickers remain Canadian. And you can, you can if you watch a bunch of the league, you can name them. Paredes was fantastic last year. Lewis Ward for three straight years. He was down a little bit this past year, but his first two, tremendous. You need a 57-yard field goal. Here's Saskatchewan's Brett Lawther. This is going to go great. Uh, And I took Lewis Ward on my top five Canadians list because he's a guy, in his first season, the league was going bonkers about Lewis Ward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely bonkers. He made, he broke Paredes' record for consecutive ones uh, and then missed in the playoffs, but we don't count that for reasons I don't understand. But anyway, um, he... Lewis Ward, but they didn't have him kick long field goals. And I thought, okay, well, this is this is great, but can he hit the Medlock ones or the right. Brett Lawther ones, the 50s and stuff like that? Uh, and I, I had a conversation with Bob Dice, the special teams coordinator. Bob's like, oh, yeah, no, no, he can do that. I'm like, okay. And I'm just, I'm just waiting to see it. 19 and 21, 52, 53, boom, boom. He's just drilling everything. He's just what he was doing from 35. He's now doing from the 50s. And you go, okay, that's the thing I wanted, and we're good. Since 2018, he came to the league. He's 34 points above expected on his field goal wow. and field goal and convert attempts, which is behind – is that only behind Justin Medlock? Which, all right, that's pretty good. It's slightly better than Paredes. Paredes had a better year last year. My, my thought of Will Ward kick long field goals – Average field goal attempt for Lewis Ward, just under 34 yards. Average attempt for Rene Paredes, exactly the same. Wow. Exactly the same. Third most attempts, 50-plus behind. Since he came in the, in the league, and this is funny because Medlock didn't play last year, Medlock has the most 50-plus attempts. Brett Lawther's number two. Lewis Ward is number three in 50-plus yard attempts. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Ward, almost you know getting on 90% for his career. Converts are a bit of a struggle sometimes, which is odd, but... <laughs> That's sometimes, I guess that's the life of a kicker. Uh, Lewis Ward, I'm fully on board with Lewis Ward, and I can't believe that rhymed. Ottawa Red Likes, I expect to see that in our nation number four. <laughs> I'm on uh, board with Lewis Ward. I, I love that. Yeah, I'm glad that you took him. I thought you were going to sneak Sean White into the conversation here. Uh, oh, Sean White is so the, good. Yeah, but uh, and, uh, when you started lift, listing them all off and you mentioned Lewis Ward, I'm like, oh, he's definitely going to go Sean White here just as like a sneaky, hey, you might think it's Lewis. You might think it's Rennie. You might think it's – but Sean White actually had the best 2021. But no, to your point, like the 34 points above since being in the league is ridiculous. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's, it's yeah, and it's Ottawa was bad. Ottawa was just so bad last year. There just were not a lot of opportunities for Lewis to do much of anything. So he wasn't able to to climb. But man, he what do you want from your field goal kicker? Kick field goals. Do I yeah. care how you look when you do it? No, just kick field goals. Can you honestly and there and there's probably a limit, right? And it's honestly, if they don't believe, I think his longest is 53 forgive me he made a 56 yarder but it seems like 52 and 53 is where his 58 yard attempts come so it's not pushing it like medlock would have or like brett lather does oh we need a 56 yarder twice in 2019 okay let's have brett out out there and uh and have at that or 2018 excuse me uh but 53 yards like if you get to the 46 and you're in field goal range yeah that sounds pretty good to me I, i like that he does everything ottawa bob dice and that team ask of him Lewis Ward. And oh, by the way, when you're paired with the best punter in the league, your special teams are off to a really great start. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, I I wanted to find a way to get Curly Gittins Jr. in here because I think he's one of the great future receivers in the next couple of years in the CFL uh, as a Canadian. But we cannot do a top 10 Canadians list between the two of us and not have a single offensive lineman. 
because we've gone receiver, oh. linebacker, linebacker, running back, kicker, linebacker, DB, linebacker, running back. I got to go O-line. And for me, the three that jump out are Sean McEwen. Yep. Chris Van Zyl. Okay. And, and the one I'm going with, just because I've always had a huge crush on him, is Brandon Revenberg. Uh, and you the, love you some Revenberg. I love Revenberg. And you know what it honestly is? He's from a different era. And what I mean by that is I know that people love and, and rightfully so the Chris Schultz and the Chris Walbies of the world, the big monsters, the tall, the tackles offensive lineman to me, my dad was a Washington fan in the NFL when I was little. And I would hear all these stories of the hogs, right? And like just these guys low to the ground and just moving people out of the way and doubling and getting to the second level and being dynamic. And I started watching football and appreciating. And I also, as a quarterback, I kind of hated sometimes having monster offensive linemen. I loved the short, thick, tough guys that didn't say a lot, but man, did they ever talk with their play. And Rev, Rev has always been that. Just he has always, always, always been that guy where if you watch him on a game in game out basis, yeah, he might miss here or there. He's human. Yeah. He might uh, not be as effective uh, at guard as Sean McEwen is at center. Yes. At center, you're asked to do more, whether it be literally snapping or handling some protection scheme stuff up front or whatever. But man, when ref wants to move somebody and he's, (laughs) he's healthy and in good shape, he is a, body mover and i love watching him just carve out space for people really in the run game um but in pass protection he's no schlub either which is pretty amazing because the dude does not have your typical long arms big build get your body on you first it's just he finds a way to win in a lot of one-on-one situations in both the pass and run game that i just have a lot of respect for him and the thing i love about him is anytime i see him and i try to give him some love or talk to him uh, he just kind of like grunts and doesn't care. Like he, he he will not care in the slightest that he has made a top 10 Canadian list. Chris Van Zyl, I have immense amounts of respect for everything that he's done in his career. His career is not over. He's still very, very good for Hamilton, a necessary piece of their roster. Uh, but yeah, for me, I just, man, Rev is so, he's such a fun watch. And I think that's why yeah. I, I just I have this crush on watching him play football is that it's so enjoyable to watch him go to work down to down. Yeah, and his his I mean, he's left guard left tackle was it was a spot in flux for Hamilton this past yeah. season, which is uh, I always assume a little more pressure on, you know, with this guy you're next to is struggling. Uh, the more I see Revenberg, the more I enjoy. Uh, I thought I thought, God, who are my all stars? He was my East All-Star. I think Zach Williams of Calgary was my West All-Star at, as I picked left guards. Um, you know, about about one pressure a game I have allowed from Revenberg, which is a very tidy number. Uh, which, by I, the way, Zach, Zach Williams is a super impressive guy as well. Like, coming from where he was in the draft out of Manitoba, where everybody was like, yeah, big body, we'll see. And then he goes to the CFL, and you watch what he does. Again, if you actually, like, focus – inside on the offensive line he considering what i think a lot of people thought he would be and where he was drafted he's become a really nice player yeah absolutely i'm, I'm with you on that one 100 percent. yeah revenberg i can't believe i went through five and didn't include any uh, <laughs> offensive linemen but i was just so excited about the linebackers being canadian i had to do it i had to do it but no revenberg's a tremendous pick and it's disappointing that he's not uh, basking in all the love because there's there's a guy who's just piling up all-stars. And if I go through, if I try to think through the left guards in the West for this coming season, uh, he have, would have the inside track to be the all-star again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, not a spot that you get it. It's not the spot that you get a ton of like, Hey, here's where I'm going to put my best offensive lineman left guard. Like a lot of the time you end up hiding somebody in there next to a monster left tackle where it'll take care of them or whatever. And, but Hamilton is just, he's, I honestly think they probably thought he would become the center 
but he's mm. told he's told them that he's more comfortable playing left guard and he's better at left guard and so they've I think danced around that a little bit from what I've seen but uh but yeah he's he's going to carry the torch for Canadian offensive linemen through this discussion for us and uh and I apologize to the other 500 offensive linemen that could have qualified to be on this top 10 list but I've I've selected Rev uh in this spot so yeah um, I think that's I think that's a good uh, I think that's a good pick I'm just going David Beard nice in Edmonton uh McEwen is a, McEwen's a stud yeah McEwen's just as yeah. McEwen probably should have been the pick but I just I went what <laughs> yeah we're just celebrating Canadians because we we love them and you need seven plus three on your roster and you're, it's always going to be that way despite what any every every time the CBA is up we want to get some people want to get rid of Canadians but over my cold dead body uh you can get yourself all set for the season of course go check out fox 40 fox 40 shop.com use that promo code cfp15 at checkout get 15 percent off of your order that is us for the breakdown here this week on cfp follow dt at dt on sc i promise it won't be long he'll grace you on radio and you can get good stuff like this from dt all over the place at CJOB and looking forward to hearing and seeing where all of that stuff comes out. DT, thanks as always, my man. Thanks, brother.